0: Well, thank you Savannah, and Terry, and music people, and everyone making worship possible this morning, and welcome again. It's so good to have you in God's house, and we're looking at power of praise this morning as we continue our series in Acts, Fired Up, and we are in Acts chapter 16, verses 19 through 34, and just as a little preface to this, Paul and Silas are on the second missionary journey. And they are in Philippi, and there has been a, a little girl slave who's a fortune teller that made a great deal of money for her owners, and she has been uh, converted, has accepted Christ as her Lord and Savior, and no longer does fortune telling, and so her owners no longer are making money, and they stirred things up and made things bad for Paul and Silas, and we pick up the reading there. When her owners saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city by advocating customs that are not lawful for us or to accept practice since we are Romans. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore their clothes off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. When they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them securely, who having received such a charge, put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison standing open, he "'drew his sword, and was about to kill himself, "'for he thought the prisoners had escaped. "'But Paul called out in a loud voice, saying, "'Do not harm yourself, we are all here. "'Then calling for lights, the jailer rushed in, "'and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. "'Then he brought them outside and asked, "'Sirs, what must I do to be saved? "'And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, "'and you will be saved, you and your whole household. "'And they spoke the word of the Lord to him, "'along with all who were in his house.' And taking them in that hour of the night, he washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and his entire family. And when he had brought them up into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having placed his faith in God along with his entire household. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts and minds this morning. Well, as I said, we're looking at the power of praise as we continue this series and Acts Fired Up. hope you've enjoyed this series. So many people said they really uh, have enjoyed it. Now, I don't know what kind of music you like. I mean, not in church, let's not go there. all right. I know I know most everyone's likes there, but I mean when you're in your car or when you're in your home, and, and I don't know how loud you like your music now i have a I have a teenage daughter who just read, okay, and uh, she likes her music loud, and I do mean loud, and it used to be that. I'd get a little more peace and quiet when she went to bed around ten o'clock, and then I'd turn on whatever I wanted on TV, maybe a little sports, just you know, kind of relax. Now things have kind of switched around because I go to bed around ten o'clock, and uh, and sometimes I do a little play a little guitar or but uh, but then I I go to bed, and uh, and Savannah always says, "Dad," she looks at her watch and says. I think I want to dance. And by dance, she means she wants to turn the music up, and I do mean up. And uh, And then she dances, and she just has a great time. And uh, I've learned to close my door, <laughs> that bedroom. I've learned to sleep through all kinds of stuff. But, I mean, I do have concerns sometimes about the neighbors. You know, they do know I have a teenage daughter, and, uh, and she's, she's so Great. She really is well behaved and everything and well mannered, but she does like her music loud. And uh, and it's good music, you know, not necessarily my music, but she turns it loud. And uh, now and then I'll go outside because sometimes I'll sit out in the patio and I'll, when I go in, I'll say, I think we should turn it down a notch or two. Well, um, so last year it was <laughs> in the fall. She's outside, she's doing some things outside, and the neighbor, who's a, who's a great guy, uh, comes over and he says, You know, Savannah, I was thinking, he said, Um, I was thinking about getting you a a Christmas present. She goes, really? What's that? And he said, I'd really like to know what kind of headphones you'd like best. (laughs) And she thought for a moment. She goes, oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. So she still turns it up. So. Haven't got those headsets yet, but, uh, yeah. So now and then I just wave with the neighbor. So, uh, he's got a, he's got a, uh, young son, a little younger than Savannah. And I know my day will come. You know what I'm saying? My, my day will come. I gonna. I already got the headset picked out. And I'm going to walk over and give it to him. So it's all good. You know, you've been there or, or you will be there. And, uh, man. And uh, as we're looking at these, because it just reminds me that music is so important, however music you like, however loud you like it, because, you know, my daughter likes to get her jams on, you probably do too, I do too, it's not necessarily the same, but um, she just takes me to a concert in December, so I'm kind of honored about that, but we'll uh, <laughs> see, she might find a bestie for that. But I'd like you to keep that in the back of your mind as we look at this uh, passage of Scripture this morning and the power of praise. We've been in this series on Acts, looking at fired up and just in allowing God's Holy Spirit to open the doors of our hearts and lives, open the windows, even as that first time, the day of Pentecost in the upper room, and we talked about... That Pentecost isn't just a day, it's a season. Really, it's a season that we're in all the time. We talk about Christmas season, but the church is in the season of Pentecost, the season of the Holy Spirit. And Acts is about the power of the Holy Spirit giving us acts to do, action to do. And Luke is trying to fire up. The early church that kind of was waning a little bit, and also the churches through the generations, and so that's what we're trying to do in our individualized our families and also in our in our church family. We looked at some of the pivotal people. Uh, we looked at Peter and James. We looked at Paul, who was knocked off his horse, who was originally persecuting uh, the Christians. We talked about Stephen giving his life in boldness as a deacon, and we talked about the early elders and how they had a pivotal role to play and, and what that was, and we've looked at God moving through God's church and God's people in tremendous ways. Then I've asked all of us to think about three questions each and every Sunday, and I hope during the course of the week. And those three questions are, first of all, what is your level of passion? What is your level of passion? Luke would ask you that this morning. What is your level of passion? That's what Acts is about, the passion of the Holy Spirit, opening our hearts and lives to the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. And then what are the gifts that you have to share? All of us have gifts, natural talents and also spiritual gifts, and God has blessed us with and like the teams that play on Saturday and Sunday, if we all try to play the same position, guess what? It don't work, right? You have a position, right? And you have gifts and talents. And when you use those together as a team, wow, great things happen, right? If you're not, you're like Notre Dame, you know? <laughs> Yesterday, sorry. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I, they're good people, you know. But Marshall, hey, they can surprise people, can't they? They're, they're a good team, man. And sometimes that's what happens. You have a team that may not have the talent, but I tell you what, when they have the passion and they're willing to take responsibility for their position and play that position with everything they've got, guess what? They can knock off Notre Dame. And that's the way it is, all right? And that's the way it is in life, too. And that's the way it is in the church. Man, if you get your position right, you get your lane right, and we fire up as a team, amazing things can happen. So I challenge us to do that. And I've also asked, what is your level of resilience? We all face challenge and adversity in life. I mean, folks, that's the way it is. Anyone tells you something other than that is not the truth. We face challenge and adversity But through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can overcome and have a level of resilience. So what is your level of resilience as you do face challenge and adversity? Jesus said, in this world, you will face trouble, challenge, obstacles, difficulties. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And so with that, we walk back into this story. And we're in the second missionary journey. And here's kind of the backstory to that. Paul has been traveling with Barnabas. And they have a conflict. <laughs> Can you believe it? In the early church they have a conflict. And uh, and so there's this argument. And, and by the way, so you know, Barnabas means son of encouragement. So Paul is having an argument, a heated discussion with a son of encouragement. So, if you ever thought the pastor was supposed to agree with everything I have to say, guess what? I'm going to tell you it's not the case. So, all right. Not here to please everybody, here to do what God wants us to do and lead us forward. But I don't know where, what channel Paul was on. But you know what the disagreement was about? It's about John Mark. So, here's a story on John Mark. If you were following, kind of following along here, is that John Mark, this young man, has been with Paul and Barnabas. And when The fire got turned up when things got difficult. He left town. He said, man, this is too much for me. And who can blame him? He's just a young guy, right? And uh, they were being, you know, people throwing stones at him, leaving for dead, beating with sticks, riots thrown in prison. He said, you know, I'm I'm good. (laughs) Like I'm gonna leave, right? And so he left, but he wants to go back with Paul and Barnabas, right? And Paul says, no way. You didn't have what it took the first time, so you can't go this trip. And Barnabas says, well, "Wait a second, he's just a young kid. We can take him along." You know, so this fight kind of breaks out between Paul and Barnabas. Man, you know, it's like uh, the Beatles and Yoko Ono. They're going to break up the band. Beatles. You know, I know we got to back up for that one, and so it's fierce. Uh, John Lennon, Paul McCartney, whatever. So. Paul and Barnabas couldn't agree over John Mark, Ono kind of thing, going to break at the band, kind of a heart-rending moment. So Paul decides to take Silas on a missionary trip to Macedonia. Meanwhile, Barnabas is going to take young John Mark along the journey with him. And you know, looking back, I bet Paul had regrets. We seem to see that in one of Paul's letters later in life, but God used it. And we think about that scripture, Romans eight twenty-eight: all things work together for the good of them that love God who are called according to his purpose. That doesn't mean all things are good. You know, an argument wasn't good, but God can bring good from all things. God does, God's that big, that great, that wonder working and amazing what the Holy Spirit can do. But God made two teams instead of one. So you had team one, you got Paul and Silas going one way. And then you got Barnabas and uh, John Mark going another way. And so, Paul and Silas set off on the second missionary journey. You can see it up there. And along the way, they meet a young man by the name of Timothy. And maybe Paul was wondering, you know what? I'm missing mentoring somebody. And so, there's young Timothy, whose father was not a Christian, whose mother was a Christian. His mother and grandma both were Christians. And Paul takes him under his wing, this young guy, and begins to mentor him along the way. And so they go to the city of Philippi. There's a number of other cities. You can see the map there. And and there in Philippi, there is this slave girl that begins to follow them, and she's a fortune teller. And she's making a fortune for her owners, but not for her. Okay? Really an unjust situation. And Paul speaks to her, and she becomes a Christ follower. She's no longer a fortune teller, and so the fortune fell off for the owners. And they're upset, so they stir up a riot. And uh, they call the legal system, but frankly, they they, uh, beat Paul and Silas with rods. We don't quite know where Timothy was. He may have been sheltering in place during all that. But uh, they throw Paul and Silas in prison. Man, don't you hate it when you're doing something good and something bad happens? You ever do that? Doing something good and something bad happens. And you say to God, wait a second, wait a second, God. I'm doing something good. Good stuff is supposed to happen if I'm doing something good. So how come I'm doing something good and bad things are happening? Anyone besides me ever feel that way? And uh, once again, you kind of look at Romans eight twenty eight and you think, well, okay, God does work through good, good through all things. Even if they're not good, God can bring good from that. And so, I wonder what was on Paul and Silas' mind there in prison. Well, we know what was on Paul and Silas' mind, sort of, don't we? I mean, so here they are. What would you be doing? It's after midnight. (laughs) My daughter playing loud music. They're playing loud music. They're making loud music, right? They're singing praise songs, right? It says hymns, but, you know, hymns, it's just all music right then, right? So uh, they're singing songs, and they're singing loud. Probably, you know, the prisoners are complaining because they can't sleep. Man, what an attitude. What's your attitude when you're thrown in, in jail, when you've got chains on you, whatever those chains might be, relational difficulties, obstacles, challenges that you're facing. You just feel chained to the past or chained to the present or whatever that is. Are you praising God? Because Paul and Silas, they're in prison after midnight. They're praising God. They're singing up a storm, okay? And uh, so, you know, the service is long over. They're still praising God. Love that. <laughs> so, um, wow. And it's amazing in that moment. And, and what does God do? God sends an earthquake. And by the way, those are the pictures of the Philippian jail right there. We have evidence of that earthquake right there. You can go there today and touch them. And God tore the doors off, broke the chains that had fastened them to wherever they were on the wall, and they were set free. Wow, what a powerful moment. And sometimes what I want to say is, when you praise God you set the power of the holy spirit free in a way that nothing else does and god can open the doors that you don't think can be open and god can break the chains that you don't think can be broken and god can set the captives free god can make all things new and so i challenge you to do exactly that and if you're like me you probably would have thought okay let's get out of here <laughs> we're set free i'm out of here right but not Paul and Silas, right? They knew that the jailer was commissioned as a Roman jailer to keep charge of these prisoners, and his life and his family's life depended on it. So Paul and Silas got all the prisoners, and they hung out there in the front. I don't know if they're still singing hymns or not. I think maybe they were. Doing some cheers for sure. And the jailer is about ready to kill himself, and Paul says, wait, we're all here. We're all accounted for. We'll make sure that nothing happens to you and nothing happens to your family. Wow. When you talk about commitment, you talk about resilience, you talk about a level of passion, these guys had it, okay? And the jailer is so moved in that moment that he begins to tend to Paul and Silas's wounds, bandage them up, wash them, and then he says, what must I do to be saved? And his whole family... Believes in the Lord Jesus, and they're baptized in that moment. Didn't even wait for the morning sun. Got baptized in the river right then. Wow. Maybe the same river, by the way. Lydia was one of the founders of this church, and they found her along the way. And and she was down there with a synagogue pole, and Silas uh, shared the word with her. And one of the great... Uh, leaders of the Philippian church and the early church. of course, we have Lydia's group here. And uh, so some great women leaders too. Lydia was probably going, okay, let's, uh, let's bring some purple here. We'll bring a purple tablecloth for a picnic and maybe purple roads for those who are baptized. I don't know. But behind the scenes, some great things are happening. And, wow. You know, that never would have happened if they weren't thrown in jail. That Roman jailer, his family never would have found Christ without that. And I'm sure there's lots of other things because that word spread near and far, but without that bad thing happening, the jailer and his family wouldn't have come to Christ. Maybe, maybe, maybe God cared so much about him and his family that he was willing to put Paul and Silas through that. And I can't help but believe that the other prisoners were impacted as well. And so, this little church along a Roman road became a powerful church in the early church because of what God was doing, but because of the commitment of, of Paul and Silas and Timothy, he was no doubt at least praying along the way. We don't kind of really know exactly what was happening in his life at that moment, but he was there. He was hanging out with them. And for a moment, I want you just to think in your own mind, where do you feel like you're a prisoner? Where do you feel like there's a door closed in your life, your family's life, those who love and are dear to you? And where do you feel like you're in chains? You're bound by a problem, a challenge, an obstacle, by the past or by the present or by whatever. Can you praise God? And sometimes there's what's called, you know, because there's a praise where you just say, okay, thanks God, and we all need to be reminded to stop and praise. One of the first things I always do when I pray here as the pastoral prayer is to offer God praise because that's the pattern of Scripture. But there's also such a thing as a sacrifice of praise. ever hear of a sacrifice of praise? A sacrifice of praise? You heard all those other sacrifices? A sacrifice of praise is when it's hard, when it's difficult, when it's not easy. And you know what? That's what it means the most. When you're willing to say, God, thank you, even though I'm in this. You don't have to thank Him for what you're in necessarily, right? But thank you that I'm in difficulty, but you're with me. I know that whatever happens, I'm going to be in your hands. And it's a sacrifice of praise And I believe that is music to God's ears, however loud that is, or however loud that you're singing. That's a sacrifice of praise. Now, fast forward in the early church, and we'll get to it later, but I just want to give you just a flash moment here with the Apostle Paul, because the Apostle Paul was in prison again, later in life. And this time, God didn't send an earthquake. I think he was still singing after midnight. That's just the Apostle Paul, that kind of a guy. And no earthquake, no prison doors shattered, no chains removed. But Paul is faithful in the moment. And Paul is writing letters to the church to encourage them. And one of them was this church, the church at Philippi. It's a letter to the Philippians. And I want you to hear again. Those words that Savannah read earlier that are Paul writing from prison. In prison, he writes this, friends. And you'd think he'd be moping in the moment, but he's not. And he knows that the Philippian church is indeed facing persecution or hardship and difficulty, but instead he writes one of the most joyful letters in the history of the Christian church. In fact, it's, it's about the unity and joy in Christ, and that's the theme of it. And these are his words. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He's in prison writing this. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. (laughs) Wow. For I've learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. Never mentions prison, friends, in any and all circumstances. I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty, and of being in need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I don't know. What are you facing that Paul hasn't faced? And I'm not saying life is easy. I'm saying life is tough. Life is tough. Life is hard. I wish it wasn't that way, but it is, friends. But Paul is pointing the way and showing the way with his life of how to live a spirit-filled life, discovering the power of praise. Because when you praise God, especially when you're in prison, when you feel bound, when you feel like everything is weighing on you, then that is a sacrifice of praise that is pleasing to the Lord's ear. And that opens the power of the Holy Spirit in new and amazing ways. So where are you today and what are you facing? What can you do? Well, One thing I would say is read and read and read. I read that Scripture passage every single week, sometimes many times, every single week. I read that passage, and I've yet to discover the full intensity and power of all that is there, but there's tremendous power there. Power in praise to unlock prison doors, power in praise to break the chains that bind each and every one of us, so I challenge us today to think about that. In closing, there's a final note that I want to make, and that is in this implied in a very, very strong way is that One of our duties is to mentor our young people. You know, Paul got a little impatient with John Mark, right? But Barnabas said, hey, I'm going to take John Mark. I know he blew it, but you know what? God's gracious. He's young. I'm going to mentor him. I know he's got potential. And then Paul took Silas. But then somewhere just recently, you know, as they were on the trip, maybe Paul was thinking, you know what? I kind of miss that sniveling young kid. (laughs) And he sees Timothy, this young teenager whose dad wasn't a Christian, and his his mom and grandmother, Lois and Eunice, were great Christians. And Paul says, you know what? I want to mentor this young man, because you know what, friends? We're not a success without a successor. i say that again. We're not a success without a successor. And if you have not discovered what it means to mentor young people, then you've not yet discovered the key to life. And many people have said, Eric Erickson among the psychologists, said, you know, if you don't do that, Somewhere in your, at least by your 70s or 80s, you're going to feel like a failure. That doesn't mean you can't do it anymore, but that's one of the keys to life because we all go through ages and stages of life, and that's one of them. Hopefully, you'll learn to mentor someone with your gifts and talents, not because you know everything, but you've got some wisdom, you've got some experience, and you want to nurture them, not to be you, but to be all that they can be. And so Paul was doing that with young Timothy, who he called his son in the faith. And guess what about John Mark? Guess what about John Mark? We know something about John Mark. We've seen him earlier, as a matter of fact, in the Gospels. We think he was the one that fled without his clothes, (laughs) you know, and Jesus was taken away. This young man that Luke sort of gives us this little God wink at and says, hey, there's this guy, this young man leaving. But one thing we do know is that John Mark became Mark. He wrote the Gospel of Mark. pretty good for a failure. <laughs> pretty good for a dropout. Mentored by Barnabas, mentored by Peter, traveled with Peter, faced the hardships of Peter's preaching and missionary journeys, and wrote the Gospel of Mark. We're going to in the gospel of Mark next year. But I want you to see that God is still at work. And if you have messed up along the way, God's got someone for you. And if someone kind of pushed you aside because you blew it along the way, well, God's got something for you. But guess what? Paul, late in life, said, please, please, send John Mark to me in prison. I need him. I think Paul had an apology to make. And I think Paul saw the shining star that he pushed aside but knew that God did great things in his life and it's time to heal that moment and that relationship. And I would encourage you, not just a mentor, but if you've got some torn and broken relationships, then heal them. I'd encourage you to do it before your deathbed. Okay? And you may have to man up or woman up and say, I was wrong. Okay? Well, that's okay. Because God can work through that too. But don't think you'll just brush it aside. God's Holy Spirit is still at work. And I think there was a God moment between Paul and young John Mark, who is now older in life, and who had likely, almost assuredly, written the gospel of Mark by then, sharing what Peter has shared with him as Mark traveled with Peter. So, friends, God is, God is still at work. And God is at work in our young people who are singing and listening this morning in our Sunday school. God is at work in all of you if you open your heart and life to the Holy Spirit. And uh, if you stumble and fall, okay, God will lift you up. God will pick you up if you look to God. God will forgive you for your mistakes. God will even take some of those mistakes and bring some blessings from that. And if you're facing challenge and difficulty, as all of us do in different ways, then know that God is powerful enough to see you through that. But I will tell you, most assuredly, one of the ways that God does that, and it's not an easy route, it is through the power of praise. And if you learn to praise God in difficulty and adversity when things are not going well, that sacrifice of praise can unlock the doors of prison and can break the chains. And sometimes you have to go through that litany that Paul gave, because most of us think about what's negative. Paul says, if there's anything honorable, think about that. Anything true, anything excellent. Man, sometimes I got to go through and think what is honorable, what is true, what is excellent, that I can, what is pure, that I can focus on so that I'm not drifting towards the negative. And you can do that too. And when you do, you will unlock the power of praise in incredible ways. Will you join me in prayer? Gracious God, we thank you for today, Rally Sunday, when we think about our young people and the importance of our young people, when we think about mentoring people, and as we have opened your word here and seen this incredible moment when you shook the prisoner and set Paul and Silas free and worked a miracle of salvation through a man and his family. And also, we've seen Paul in prison who would not would not give in, who had a positive attitude and knew the power of praise, even in prison. Help us to discover the power of praise. We pray this in your most holy name. And all God's people said, amen.